Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we're broadcasting from the top of the Habern Building in Louisville, Kentucky. You are listening to Forward Radio, WFMP-LP Louisville. That is 106.5 FM on your radio dial. If you go to forwardradio.org, you can find out more about our station, and you can click on a button as we are live streaming now. You'll be able to listen to us on your PC, tablet, smartphone, anywhere in the world. Folks, again, I'm uh, uh, K.A. Owens. This is On the Edge with K.A. Owens. And we are with Terrence Sullivan here today, who is Executive Director of the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights. And welcome to our show. Oh, thank you for having me. So uh, it just so happens that the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights is in the same building as our radio station. And so it's uh, thank you for uh, coming down to visit with us. I appreciate that. Oh, it's it. I'm excited to come down here. We uh, actually use this same studio for a show that we've started doing here on Forward Radio. And the name of that show is? We and You. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, all right, folks. Uh, so... Uh, Terrence, why don't you tell us about the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights? What is it? What does it do? Sure. So the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights, uh, so we'll call it the commission. Um, The commission is tasked with enforcing the state's Civil Rights Act. And so in order to do that, um, we are able to basically prosecute cases of discrimination. And how we do that is people anywhere in Kentucky... Um, If they feel like they've been discriminated against in housing, employment, public accommodations, so access to public spaces, stores, that kind of thing, or financial transactions, they are able to file a complaint. You can do that online at, um, at our website. You can call in and do a complaint. You can email us. Um, or in non-COVID times, and hopefully soon, you can stop in into the Habern building and come up to 14 and file a complaint that way. And so what that complaint does is it enables us to do an investigation to see if there's any probable cause for that um, complaint and to see if there was some discrimination that did take place. And if there is discrimination, our agency, um, the commission, is able to help that person who feels like they were discriminated against either process that through court or through an administrative hearing, or we can have some type of mediation where you and that party would be able to come to some type of agreement. And so the that can result in some financial compensation or some type of sanction, but the Another thing that we offer at the commission is we also have a team that's trained in it's our education outreach team. And what they do is they conduct training. So let's say you have a landlord who consistently has these discriminatory practices. Well, we have a team that can do training. And part of that agreement throughout the process, you have you could have a conciliation agreement where that landlord, in order to keep doing what you know, having their their properties, they have to complete training with such and such group on this issue. And we have an in-house team that's able to do that training. And so it's not just the 
the court proceedings or the hearings, but we also have a training component where we can go out to different places in the community within the state and teach on what people's rights are. Um, we recently had a Know Your Rights um, event last month, and we do those throughout the year. Um, we've talked about what are some of your housing rights, what are some of your employment rights. Employment rights are a big issue right now, especially in the, the world of COVID and how employers respond to um, how people are, it, just how they respond to the workplace. And so we've also had some employment-related cases that centered around um, racial justice and participation in um, demonstrations and that, that sort of thing. And so being... A, a resource for the community to use when they feel like they've been discriminated against is our main purpose. So how is the Kentucky Commission structured and funded? Is, uh, is it an arm of government? Is it a part of government? Is it funded by the government? So we are an arm of the government. Um, that's weird to say an arm of the government. But we are funded in part by our state general fund appropriation. Um, unfortunately, for the past 20 years, that appropriation gets cut and cut. So our agency in prior years had, um, for example, we had 15 to 17 investigators. Right now we have five. Um, we had... For a state of four million people. Yes. <laughs> five investigators for four million people, yes. Uh, we had five to seven attorneys. We have one doing cases right now. Um, and so it, it's, that's our, the bulk of our funding is that state appropriation. But even to keep the doors open, we do have some federal um, grants that we use, which that comes by way of really the EEOC and HUD, because our agency is structured as such that we operate as the state arm of those federal agencies. And so the employment, the Commission on Employment with the EEOC, any employment case, we also file it with the EEOC to, as we investigate it, and the same for housing and HUD. So, um, so uh, just out of curiosity, can the Kentucky Commission ask for volunteer lawyers to help, help, help with the caseload? You know, that's a great question. That's something that we are exploring right now is how we can supplement our lack of resources um, and, and do it in a way that also still maintains that confidentiality that we have with our cases. And so that's the one of the, the challenging parts of having volunteer attorneys to do their some pro bono work for uh, on our behalf. However, um, that's an open question and something I'm looking into as an option. Um, the harder part is a lot of this is more pre-work than the litigation side. And so it would be a lot more involved than having someone commit a few hours to come and present a case, but rather going through the case file reaching out to different parties involved and also trying to set hearings, try to set, just moving the case through. Um, but that is something very 
open to discussing and looking more into as for attorneys or another area where we're really hurting is we don't have a designated intake team anymore who takes those calls and checks when someone submits something online. And so we have a rotating group of people who fought, who field those complaints. And initially um, in the agency's more funded years, we had quite a few people, an entire team that that was their job. And so now we have a, it rotates. Sometimes the questions are asked differently. And so we might uh, my worry is that we might be missing some people who have some serious issues, but in that rotating schedule, we may have missed them. And so that's something I'm trying to address for now. And I've talked to all of our surrounding states commissions and that volunteers is one way that they have uh, shored up that deficiency by having people volunteer to take those calls or and to help route them and get the complaint process started. So that's also something that we're hoping to expand. Well, as I remember the original Innocence Project, which is where you have uh, volunteers supervised by professionals to get people who, uh, who, who thought of as innocent out of jail, the original Innocence Project was journalism students supervised by lawyers. So they weren't even law students. Uh, and they, well, the Innocence Project has had a lot of success. Uh, and so, of course, the question, uh, I, I was thinking, you're talking about the research aspect, not the part of uh, going to court. You need people to actually investigate, do research on various claims. And I'm thinking that journalism students, social work students, mm-hmm. Of course, the, of course, they all have to be supervised, right? And, and so that's <laughs> that's uh, and of course, you know, there's a whole thing about uh, you can get academic credit as well, you right? Know, uh, and uh, uh, so uh, there's talent out there. The question how to manage it and supervise it. Uh, oh, I, I think it would look. If I were getting a master's degree in social work, I think it'd look great on my resume <laughs> to. Uh, have worked under the supervision of Terrence Sullivan, the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights. I think it looked great. <laughs> and, and if we had some notable successes to stick on the resume, that's even better. Right. So, uh, uh, so uh, yes. Yeah, so, I, uh, and so the, this uh, uh, manpower, woman power shortage for an important agency such as the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights is a is a serious concern. So, so thank you for for bringing that up, so people could understand that. Um, so, uh, uh, so do you go before the, do you, are are you part of the, the governor's executive budget or, uh, how does that work? So we are, we're part of the executive budget because we are, um, we're in the executive branch in the general government cabinet and most recently, um, moved under boards and commissions, which it should have been anyway. Um, but we are, that's where our appropriation comes from in the executive budget every two years, um, which this year is another one because of the shortened session last year. But that's where our appropriation comes from. And just to circle back to, a, we do have two externs from University of Louisville's Law School. I reached out to my 
my law school and told them kind of the same thing that I've said to you about where we are. And one of the professors uh, has done, we're doing the externships for credit and practical experience for some of the students. So they're working with our legal unit. And they're also, um, I just gave them, they get to write an appellate brief or help write an appellate brief for one of our cases. So that's exciting for them because they get that practical experience while they're still in school. But we also get help where it's needed because we are in that general fund appropriation and that's where those cuts have come. And it doesn't, with the way that the tax revenues have worked out in the past year and how things have changed due to COVID, I'm hopeful that we don't face any extra cuts when they do the budget. And so that's one of the plans is to start talking to legislators now and about that next year budget planning process. So, yes, you bring out the UofL Law School. There are prominent graduates of UofL Law School that are in, in the news now. One is, of course, uh, Daniel Cameron, Attorney General of the State of Kentucky, Lanita Baker, one of the uh, lawyers for uh, the Breonna Taylor uh, family, Charles Booker, <laughs> uh, uh, quick-rising uh, star in electoral pol- politics. So uh, L Law School is looking good right now. It is. It's a, with these African American graduates. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's. I never thought of that until we talked about it. But yeah, it's. It's interesting. The people um, in the news right now are all black graduate black graduates of Brandeis, and so it's a. It's, it's a, a good time for the for the university just to show that no matter what side you are you're on of the of any of the issues right now, that there is a university um, putting out graduates who are black driven people and that I think that's something that says something about the university and I think that it could um, draw some of that some more attention for people who may be considering that as a career but didn't think that the law school was for them or didn't think that there were people who were able to go and do things that were important from going there. And so it is nice to see. Um, I expect more. Uh, we have some, there's some great professors over there. And so I'm, I'm not shocked at where some people are, but we, those were some really important names that you did name. So good, good job for L. So, uh, so tell us about Terrence Sullivan. How did Terrence Sullivan come to be executive director of the Kentucky Commission? What was your journey? My journey, huh? So, my journey is very—it's uh, a, a giant circle that is hard to explain. But for the bulk of my life. I've been interested in doing something to help people, and especially people like me. And by people like me, um, for me, as I as I grew up, we didn't have very much. Um, there would be times, you know, multiple days, weeks, where no idea where food was going to come from, no idea where we were going to live. Um, no idea if there was going to be water or 
any of that, any of those things that people take for granted. And I always felt like that was wrong because I also, through school, um, knew people who had a lot. And it never made sense to me that some people have so much and some people have so little. And what I observed is it wasn't through lack of trying, but lack of opportunity, um, lack of understanding and racism, discrimination, um, all those things contribute to poverty. And there's a, there's a through line of poverty in all of these issues. And so for me, what I wanted to do was do something where one day I could help people like me or like my family that needed things and were being discriminated against for different reasons, but didn't have that space or there wasn't much about the opportunity of how you address those issues. And so I um, went to college and studied, well, I was pre-med for a while. Uh, my plan was to be pre-med, become a senator and write poverty laws. Um, but I thought if I was a doctor, I'd be able to retire sooner. So then I could really focus on this, these poverty laws and uh, or anti-poverty laws rather and I had a professor who told me starting my junior year that I was an idiot because he was like why are you going to waste all that time when you could start working on laws now and he said you should just switch over to political science do law and public policy and then you can go to law school do all that and so I was like well you're crazy no I'm good but he pushed on and I ended up listening later in my junior year which is a terrible time to tra- to uh, change your major. If now, anyone... was this at U of L as well? <laughs> this was at U of L as well. All right. Um, it's a terrible time to change your major. I ended up I had to take two twenty four hour semesters with special permissions, so I could still graduate on time with my scholarship, and I was able to get a an undergrad degree in political science, law, and public policy with a minor in economics, and I then went to U of L's law school, um, where uh, I worked then a little bit after for the county attorney. And after that, I worked for the Louisville Metro Council, where I worked with District 6, which encompasses a lot of the West End neighborhoods in California, but also parts of old Louisville, um, and worked with community groups and that type of thing there, and worked on some local ordinances but for that, or from that, I went on to do that at the state level for the General Assembly. And all, all in keeping in mind that I really wanted to do something around issues facing around poverty, discrimination, racism, economic opportunity, that type of thing. And so one thing about working for the General Assembly, you write the laws based on what you're told to write the laws on. You don't really go write uh, what you want. Um, and so I left there. And I've done just general legislative work on issues around poverty, education, um, housing. So I did that for a while, and then I worked for quite a while on education and poverty issues within education. And then most recently in, in May, I was tapped to work and run the commission, and it's something that I've always— it, it really came and closed that circle of me wanting to find a way to contribute to helping 
people who are facing issues. And so that's that's that route that got me here. It's a very uh, it's an interesting route because it zigged and zagged a lot, like that three years of pre med. But here I am, and I'm hopefully able to do some good. So, um, uh, so uh, here you are. You started in May of this year. So I was named in May, started on June 16th. Okay. Uh, with the Kentucky Commission of Human Rights. Uh, folks, uh, you are listening to On the Edge with uh, K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we're here today with Terrence Sullivan, Executive Director of the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights. And you're listening to Forward Radio 106.5 FM on your radio dial. And you can also go to forwardradio.org. Go to that website. We're live streaming. You can listen to us uh, on your uh, smartphone tablet pc from anywhere in the world so uh, uh, uh terrence uh so what are the big issues uh for the kentucky commission on human rights today uh, if people were to ask oh that's that's hard <laughs> just because we we get quite a few uh complaints that come in i think one that really bubbled up for about a month was people filing discrimination complaints based on or reaching out about being forced to wear a mask. Um, that's not really something that you think about in a discrimination sense, but that there was quite an influx of people feeling um, the the brunt of the, the mask mandate. Um, we've received recently quite a few discrimination complaints from people who have been demonstrating and that's a TBD uh, just because we have a very specific jurisdiction at the commission on what types of complaints that we are able to actually charge out and so some of those that are coming in trying to think of a way to address those that also follows our enabling statutes and so um there have been a bulk that came in around that, but ultimately it's, it's really consistent on what we see. It's just issues with people being in people losing their jobs and, um, seeing there's some claim that there was some discriminatory reason for why they were removed from their jobs that's a, a large one for us. A, one that's really bubbled back up recently is around housing discrimination, especially with uh, the coming and going of eviction moratoriums, but how some landlords do operate. Some people are still saying that there's some discriminatory intent behind some of the practices. And so we're hearing a lot of those. Um, I'm also in the mornings while doing other work and meetings, listening in on eviction court um, on Zoom to listen to see if I hear of some of those discriminatory practices. So then we can let people know in the chat on Zoom, hey, if you feel like you're being discriminated against, go to kchr.koi.gov um, and tell them they can file a complaint and then we can help them out. But it's really, I think the complaint world is pretty consistent outside of some of those outliers that pop up because of timely issues. Um, 
discrimination unfortunately doesn't have a doesn't keep a calendar and so it doesn't really change um we just have to eventually change minds i posted in august during our the anniversary of our first case that we won in 1966 i posted that i hoped in the next you know 40 years that this place doesn't exist and that's really the the goal for me at the commission is to put us out of business because I I would prefer we didn't have people being discriminated against. I would prefer that people were not racist, sexist, homophobic, um, all of those things. I would much rather our agency not need to exist, but rather be something that you see a monument to that says, hey, this thing used to exist. And then in 2025, they got rid of it because people were good. And so that's my that's my one goal. So, um, you know, I work with uh, a civil rights, several civil rights organizations, social justice organizations uh, away from the station. And ordinarily, in non-COVID times, uh, you know, you're the kind of person that we would invite to one of our meetings to or somebody from your staff to come and talk about the Kentucky Commission and what it does. And so... Is your ability to interact with organizations and people been sort of hampered by the COVID? That is, would you sort of, you know, made a grand tour in, back in June if it weren't for, <laughs> weren't, weren't, weren't for COVID? Yeah, it's been challenging um, for that reason. Just we can't go and visit people. I did, um, I, I, I did reach out to some organizations just to even do uh, a Zoom it's welcoming. all Zoom yeah. now, or or whatever people use. Uh, not sponsored by Zoom in any way. That's just Webex. Yeah. Yes, uh, <laughs> whatever. Teams yes. meet. Yeah, that's Zoom is just the easiest one to make into a verb. So that's why we run with it. Um, but no, I did. I've been reaching out to other organizations and still would love to reach out to more and be more involved. And I think especially with things that are going on now, I think it would be good to have away from Zoom, just spaced apart with masks and all that. I think it would be good to start having some of these real conversations and in person because there's something that's missing when you're on behind a computer screen and you don't have that authenticity of conversation because you, ha- you might have someone who has a great idea, but their kid walks in the room and needs them to come change the episode on Netflix or something. And so they don't get to put it out there. And so we hopefully um, we can find ways to get people together and have some conversations, because I think there are a lot of people who really want to do something right now and don't know exactly where or how to build up that collective power when we're all so spaced apart. Yes, uh, I did uh, had the opportunity a while ago to, to go to a social distance funeral uh, in a church, and the ushers sort of had assigned spots where you, even if you came with somebody, you still weren't sitting next to each other, except some family sitting up up front. So it can be done. Right, it can be done. I think that the churches and some meeting rooms can actually be set up for for that. Yeah, we've we've had some at least our commission meetings, we've had two that were in person and we just were very intentional about spacing. We brought in extra tables. So people had plenty of distance away from each other. Um, and then 
due to the executive order, we're still closed to visitors, so we still streamed it online. So people were still able to engage, but we did have some of the people in the room that were able to uh, deliberate a little bit more effectively. So, folks, uh, um, we're here uh, with Terrence Sullivan, uh, Executive Director of the Kentucky Commission on uh, Human Rights. It just so happens that the Kentucky Commission uh, is in the same building as this radio station. So we we look forward to uh, future visits. And as as previously mentioned, uh, the commission has its own radio show named... We and You. All right. So, uh, so folks... Uh, 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 again, this is On the Edge with K.A. Owens. Uh, any uh, last words? Uh, my, my last words would be the same thing I will say to anyone, that if somebody listening feels like they've been discriminated against or knows someone they think may have been discriminated against, um, just that we are here, uh, kchr.ky.gov, and just to reach out, you can file a complaint online, call, email, anything. So, Thank you, folks. That's our show. <laughs>